December 1st. Welcome in. It is ESPN New York tonight. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. I am Gordon Damer flying solo once again tonight. Our Larry Hardesty off uh, enjoying one more day of vacation. I guess a couple more days of vacation. He'll be back on on Sunday. And, of course, he'll be back in his slot with uh, myself next week. But, uh, of course, plenty to keep us busy on this Thursday night. A full show for a change. We don't have to worry about the Knicks or the Rangers or anything else. Full two hours, and of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. But most importantly, as I tell you all the time, you can find me right here on your radio until midnight. Now, we will keep our eye on the Thursday night football game tonight. An important football game for the Jets with the Bills and the Patriots going at it. Bills leading at 17-7. And kind of felt like with the way the first half wrapped up and the way the Bills got the ball in the second half, that this one was all but over. Patriots missing a field goal, clanking off the crossbar right before the uh, half to, at the end of the first half. So they miss out on three points there to kind of get a, a little bit closer. But their offense, they've scored one touchdown. But other than that, I think they've gone three and out on every other drive with the exception of the uh, missed field goal there at the end. So their offense has not really been able to do much. And the Bills have kind of, the only thing that's really kind of stopped them has been themselves. But the Patriots just did come up with a big stop on a third down. So they will be getting the ball back. We'll see if they can somehow figure out a way to score some points. Because this is an important game for Buffalo. It kind of feels like a must game for the Patriots. They're sitting there at 6-5, and and they would definitely be a problem for the Jets, if, as long as they stay in the playoff picture, they are kind of a problem for the Jets by the fact that they won both games against the Jets this year. But this very well might be the last time you're real, if you're a Jet fan, that you really have to worry about them if you're able to handle your business on Sunday because all of a sudden Patriots will be back at 6-6. Six and six. Even with that tiebreaker, you go to Minnesota and find a way to get a win, and all of a sudden you really don't have to worry so much about the Patriots. I know the guys on the, on the K show were talking about this a little bit today. You know, it's an interesting conundrum because if you're a Jet fan, are you looking at, hey, I just want to get into the playoffs any way I can? Or are you thinking to yourself, you know what, with Mike White now taking over as quarterback, the way the defense is playing, the way we might be able to get on a little bit of a roll here, if the, if the Bills are vulnerable, we might actually be able to have a crack at the division title. We might actually be able to win the AFC East this year. If I were a Jet fan, which I'm not, I think I'd be more concerned with, hey, you know what? Let me just get in. Let me handle my business. I still play the Bills again. I still play the Dolphins again. And if that presents itself down the road, I'll worry about that down the road. For week 13, let me get the Patriots out. Let me get them out or damage them as much as possible in the process before we have to even think about them again. So we'll be touching on the Jets a little bit. Obviously, Mike White getting another start this week. I don't know. It's going to be hard to top the lunacy of the Mike White bandwagon over the last couple of days. Now, if you've not listened to the show the last couple of days, I think it was two days ago Richard Sherman said that Mike White is already a franchise quarterback. Uh, Yesterday we had Mike Mart saying that uh, Mike White very reminiscent to Kurt Warner, who's already in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if we have anything to ma- – we will try. We will, we will – Harvey and Chantel, they will be doing their best scouring the internet to find some ludicrous statement about Mike White that is more uh, insane than those two statements. But we have two hours to find it, and they're very good at their job. So we'll see if we can come up with it. And, of course, as big as the Jet game is, the Giant game is even bigger. The Giant – talking about the Patriots with a must-win game – The Giants have a must-win game. We've been talking about important December games. Well, you got one this week. The only problem is if you don't win this week, (laughs) you might not have any more important games in December this year. Uh, Giants with a must-win game against Washington. First time that they meet this year. Uh, Just for the standings, you just take a look at the way things are breaking down. You take a look at the way the schedule's breaking down. It seems like as we sit here heading into week 13 – If you can get to nine, you're in pretty good shape. But finding a way to get to nine without winning this week is going to be kind of hard to do. So we'll touch on the Giants. We'll touch on everything with them. uh, And we'll get into everything from week 13. Also, in the course of these two hours, I will be touching on my NFL picks. 
Now, I don't know if you generally I do my NFL picks on Saturday, but I do not have a Saturday show this week. So I figure, you know what? Let's help the people. Let's let loose the free money express on a Thursday. Different audience. People are, you know, the holidays are around the corner. Who doesn't need money? Everybody loves money. Money's the best. And in case you haven't kept track, I have my pick so far this year. By far the most accurate on the station of any of the hosts. You can go in the morning. You can go in the afternoon. You can go wake up in in the a.m. You can look at the p.m. It doesn't matter. And I've got the receipts. The most accurate picks on the station belong to me. And it's not even close. It's not even close. So we'll give them to you in the second hour of the show. But I figured, you know, tonight, let's open up with some baseball. And uh, we'll take your calls at 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776, because the baseball winter meetings open up Sunday in San Diego. And it seems like things are starting, not that anything has happened, and not that anything might happen here this weekend, but it feels like the first thing that's going to happen with, you know, in terms of the big stuff in in baseball and the offseason, it looks like something might be percolating with Aaron Judge. You got the report earlier this week from Jeff Passan that the Yankees already have an offer on the table for eight years and uh, $300 million. There's been talk about, you know, the Giants are very much involved and will be involved uh, in terms of pursuing Aaron Judge. The Dodgers have been mentioned from time to time. There's always that mystery team out there. Ooh, who's the mystery team that's out there? Here's the thing. Uh, I've always kind of felt like, and we mentioned this last night, that Aaron Judge will be back with the Yankees. And I'll be honest with you, Eight years, $300 million, it feels like that's light. I mean, if, if they can get that deal done, I would do that deal right, even at $37.5 million. It feels like whenever it is done, it will be for more than that. If it's the Yankees, if it's the Giants, if it's the Dodgers, if it's the mystery team, whoever that might be, it feels like that's a little light. Uh, so I, we'll, we'll see what it ends up turning out to be. I will say this. I've always felt like the Yankees were going to bring back Aaron Judge. It feels that way more and more as the days go on. Uh, because it, the Yankees have made it clear. What is their plan this offseason? Their plan this offseason is to run it back. They look at le- this past year, despite the way it ended, as a successful year. They look at the reason they were not able to advance past the Astros was largely due to injuries. At least that's the story they're giving you. So it's very hard to envision a way that they're going to be able to run it back if they don't have the main piece of the team, the American League MVP, back. And for all the times that we talk about the Yankees and all the criticism that the Yankees have had over the years, and think about how long. Brian Cashman's been the Yankee GM for, what, 25 years? Is it more than that? It's around, it's more than two decades. I don't think there has ever been a topic, a player, a story that would generate more criticism of the New York Yankees than if they were to lose Aaron Judge. I think that that would be on a whole new level uh, of criticism if they were to let him get away. Almost, it almost doesn't matter how they let him. Some team could come in and just offer him ridiculous money, and I think that the Yankees would still get absolutely crushed because they should have had this handled by now. This is a homegrown guy. This is the Yankees. This is the AL MVP. All those things, they would still get crushed. So I think that he will eventually be back. They might have to overspend. They might have to give up an extra year or two that they don't want to do. They might have to give up an extra couple of million dollars that they don't want to do. But I think that he will eventually be back with the Yankees. But, you know, the one thing that kind of gets brought up a lot is that it seems like the main team – that is pursuing him and is the main competition for the Yankees is the Giants, the San Francisco Giants. And not that I think that a lot of people are going to take a, a view of, oh, well, how would that, me- you know, how would that mesh, uh, how would that match up, the Giants and, and Judge? That might be, for Judge, and really for the Giants, maybe the worst idea going. It might be really kind of the worst match going. Now, I don't know what's the most important thing to Aaron Judge. I'm just going to go by, you know, general um, common sense that money is obviously going to be an important thing. But he's also said that winning is an important thing to him. The Giants are the th- at best, even with Aaron Judge, the third best team in that division. Even if they were to add Aaron Judge, they would have to add a whole lot more. And I don't know if any team 
is going to be adding a whole lot more when you're spending, you'd have to think, well over $300 million, more than $37.5 million a season on one player. Now, maybe the Giants are just going to shoot the locks off the wallet and go hog wild, and they're going to be the team this season, uh, this offseason, that goes out and just spends stupid money like the Texas Rangers did last year. But, uh, I mean, even if you were to add an Aaron Judge, there's a whole lot more improvement that needs to be done to get the Giants anywhere close to either the Dodgers or the Padres. So that, to me, does not seem to make a whole lot of sense for the Giants. It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense for Judge. When you take a look at, I don't know what they're calling Pac Bell anymore, but whatever they're calling it now, that is a terrible uh, hitter's park, especially for right-handed power hitters. I think it's the second worst or the worst over the last three years for right-handed power hitters uh, in terms of um, home runs and that type of stuff. Plus, huge outfield, and and you talk about how Judge ages. Uh, that's a major question, how a big guy like he is going to age, especially when he's going to have to be running around in a giant outfield like that. Now, look, if they offer him $400 million, he's not really going to care about it. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to stick $100 bills in the soles of his shoes, and he'll figure it out from there, but... Uh, I just think the more that you think about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the Giants, uh, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Judge if winning is a is a major part uh, of what he wants to uh, do with this next contract, w- w- whatever team he is going to sign with. So we'll see. The baseball winter meetings get underway on Sunday. It seems like, at least from the people who are in the know, and there's no one more in the know than Jeff Passan, that things are starting to maybe – formulate here so we might get an answer because it feels like everything's just kind of hinging on this there might be a a small deal here a small deal there but when you're talking about a a guy who's going to command as much money as this and really not anybody else in this free agent class that's going to even come close to this you know like Carlos Correa might get a big deal but it's not going to be eight nine years and 325 million dollars I don't think uh, Trey Turner is going to get that none of the shortstops are going to get that uh, certainly uh, Jacob DeGrom's not going to get that. So it feels like it's kind of holding up the whole market, and you need something to kind of shake that up. And until that deal comes down with the Giants, with the Yankees, whoever it is, it just kind of seems like no other real big deals are going to come down. So hopefully we get an answer here sometime this weekend. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll take your phone calls on uh, Aaron Judge, on uh, the baseball free agency, the maybe the plan B also for the Yankees, because somebody brought that up last night. What would the Yankees' plan B actually turn out to be? So I, I thought about that a little bit more today, and I think I have a plan if it were that Aaron Judge were to go elsewhere. So we'll lay that down as well. Lots to do. Just getting started on a Thursday night. It is the ESPN New York Tonight, not the Gordon Damer Show. It's the ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York Tonight. Taking a look at the Thursday night football game. Bill's driving again up 17-7 and... um, Look, I don't work for Amazon, so I think I can tell you this. Uh, this game's over. There, there, I, I don't know in terms of the, the spread. I guess maybe there's the chance that the Patriots uh, shock you and, and, and figure out a way to score some points. But in terms of who wins this game, this one's done. Bills are absolutely winning this game. And, and what I think what you see with the Patriots is, like, they're so well coached that the coaching – can overcome the talent discrepancy with some team, like the Jets or the Dolphins. I know the Dolphins beat them earlier this year, but you know what I mean? Like those kind of teams, Belichick is so good that he can kind of overcome the talent discrepancy. When the talent discrepancy is as big as it is between the Patriots and the Bills, yeah, that doesn't – It's not. It's, it's, it, there's only so much you can do. And uh, when you have one touchdown on the night and it came to a defensive back on a, like a 50-yard touchdown and, and basically every other drive you have gone three and out, Kind of tough to overcome that overall. Uh, but uh, we'll keep an eye on it. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. So uh, but uh, so if you're a Jet fan, I, I guess that's good news, right? Like the fact the Patriots lose, I think that that has to be what you want. Now, look, you'd like both teams to lose, but that can't happen. Both teams can't lose, not even at the World Cup. Not even at that wacky thing. But we've been talking about the baseball with Aaron Judge, and um, we'll see if something happens this weekend with, uh, of course, the baseball winter meetings getting underway. But, you know, somebody brought up last night, you know, if the Yankees were to lose Aaron Judge, what would what would plan B be for the Yankees? Well, how how would they approach that? How do you how do you overcome losing a player like Aaron Judge? And 
I said last night, and I still kind of feel this way, I kind of have like a, a sense of macabre sense that like I'd almost kind of like to see what it would look like, just not in reality, because in reality, I think it would be bad, at least in the, in the immediate. Maybe in the future, you know, as, as you get deep into the deal, uh, it's going to have some problems if you're signing anybody to a seven or eight year deal. But in the immediate, oh, man, that would be a disaster. And, and my question is, like, yeah, you could come about figuring out a way forward where the team is still good because you would have a lot of resources to spend in other ways, right? I mean, you're talking about basically $40 million on just one player. You could take that and split it around, right? You could fill several holes. You could take it and, and, and sign another star. Um, but do you trust the brain trust of the Yankees to be able to do that? And I don't know that there's a – I don't think there's a high level of confidence with anything the Yankees do, even despite some of the results – but certainly replacing Aaron Judge in the immediate uh, would be next to impossible. And whatever the plan B would be, uh, I, I don't think that there's a high level of confidence that they would be able to come anywhere close to filling the shoes of someone who's coming off winning the uh, MVP in the American League. So, look, there's three ways that they could go, right? The first one would be take the money that Judge would get and go find another big-time free agent. And unfortunately, this year, the free agents mostly that are of that value uh, are shortstops. So I think the two guys that you would say are most valuable in that area would be either Carlos Correa or Trey Turner. Uh, Correa is a little younger, does have some injury problems. Turner's had some injury problems as well. But then you could take that money and, and a, a sizable portion of it. I don't know what Correa would get, but it would be you know, in maybe $30 million, somewhere around that range. You'd still have some money left over to, to go out and, and, and find another outfielder. But you could put the money, take basically the money and, and find another player. And then, you know, your glut of shortstops. I don't know that they're going to trade uh, Volpe, but it's not even a foregone conclusion that Volpe is going to be a shortstop. There's a lot of reports that he might have to move uh, to second base. But maybe you, you trade Peraza, maybe you trade some other prospects, and that's how you fill the hole in the outfield. That's one path that you could go. Take the money that you were going to pay to judge, pay it to another free agent. The other, second way you would go is you could take it and you could kind of fill several holes, right? You could find an out. Maybe you, you go out and you sign Brandon Nimmo, right? You, you spend, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly, you know, 15, 16 million of it to go sign Brandon Nimmo. Uh, maybe you go get Radon, you bring back Ben Attendee, and you, you kind of fill several holes and you make the overall product, you know, less of a, a weak spots around and not putting it all in one guy is that that's a way that you could go. I think the way that they probably would go is that they would not sign one of the big free agents. I, I think the stubbornness would be, you know what? We, we, we believed in our prospects at that position beforehand, and we still believe that the future of our organization is with these young players. So we're not going to lock anybody up at shortstop. We're going to go with the young kids and I don't think that they're going to overspend. And Now, look, Radone, you know, maybe they go out and do add a pitcher, but I think the thing that they would do is they would lay back, they would look for deals that are beneficial. And what I mean by that, like Correa last year, when there wasn't the monster deal that he was looking for, and he signed basically a one-year deal. It was more, I think it was a three-year deal with an opt-out after the first year or opt-outs after every year. But you knew it was going to be essentially a one-year deal if he stayed healthy. That's what they would look to do. And I think that they would try to remain flexible until the next, almost like a Nick plan, which <laughs> not exactly a, a ringing endorsement there. But I think that they would look for the next star player that became available. And I think that their all eyes would be on Otani. I think that that's the, the way that, and look, they would, they would put a, a product on the field. They're not going to take a step back to a certain level where they're going to be, you know, a rebuild or anything like that. But I think that they would try to, to find some beneficial deals, short-term deals, kind of fill some gaps, and then wait for um, a year where Otani's going to be a free agent or some other big free agent, and they would invest the money that way. Uh, I don't think that they're going to go out and sign Carlos Correa. I don't think that they're going to take all that money and sign guys to big long-term deals this year that are available this year. I think it would be – I mean, there's no other way to put it. It would be a step back. Now, they might not present it that way, but I think that that's what it would be. And they would try to remain flexible. And when the next big star became available from outside the organization, that's the way they would go. All right, so let's get some phone calls. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to John is on Long Island. John, you're first up on ESPN New York tonight. 
Hey, thanks for taking my call. You kind of answered my question about Plan B, but I guess I'll switch it up and say, don't you think adding Judge at that eight years, $300 million, almost $40 million a year, then you have John Carlo and Paul, won't it hurt the team in the long term? Uh, yeah. I'll listen and hang up. Yeah, John, absolutely it will. But, I mean, I brought this up last night. The question you have if you're the Yankees, do you want the problems now or do you want the problems later? Because you're going to get the problems later almost no matter what, unless you can figure out a way to move. I mean, the Stanton deal, this is why, for those of us who didn't want that deal done and thought of putting that money in other ways, this is why. I mean, these are the good years for Stanton. And, and, and look, he's been good in the postseason at times. He's had good seasons when he's been healthy, but he's been hurt a lot. And I think he's 33 next year. I'm not sure. I'll take a look. But he's not going to be getting healthier as he gets older. And those kind of guys, the big, bulky sluggers, those are the guys that don't age well. Now, Judge is a slugger, but he's not just like a big, bulky slugger. You know, he, he can, he's good first to third. He's got good speed. He's good, a, a good defensive outfielder, a good arm. He's athletic. So even though he is a big guy, and big guys generally do not age well, uh, I think that he will age better than most of them. Because he has, you know, some level of athleticism. He's not just all muscles that hits home runs and strikes out a bunch of times. You know, he's got a good, a pretty good batting average um, overall, even though he does strike out a ton of times. And it's kind of hard to compare him to anybody else because, I mean, just the size of him, there's not really been another guy that, that, that is like him. He's, he is a truly unique. Let's go out to uh, Eli is in Washingtonville. Eli, you're next up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Gordon, listen, uh, sometimes we, I, I think we watch two different sports when it comes to baseball. Okay. Because, listen, uh, if I was Aaron Judge, I, if I want to win, I wouldn't stay in the eighth. The last time the San Francisco Giants won the, the World Series was 20, 2010. Right. And the Yankees, last time they won was 2009. Okay. So, you know, that's that, if he wants to win, I have more faith and the San Francisco Giants staff than, than Brian Cashman. That's first. And second, when it comes to Plan B, do we trust Cashman with Plan B? I like, just said that. Plan B yeah, I'm saying, but what does what does what did he do when he lost Cano? Yeah, his Plan B was terrible. No, I I mean I completely yeah. No, I I, th- I think that was the point I made. Yeah, but I'm saying like. You said that he's probably going to wait all the time, you know, something like that. Right. He's going to overreact, and he's going to sign three agents that are probably not going to help the team in the long run just to, to compensate for losing Judge. He doesn't He doesn't have that kind of patience. So I, I'm telling you, if Judge if Judge signs with the San Francisco Giants, I'm telling you, it's going to, we're going to, it's going to be a long time for the Yankees to recoup. I'm telling you. Well, I mean, look, Eli, you might be right. Um, I think that that more has to do with uh, the front office than it does um, losing Judge. I mean, Judge is a a unique player, and he's a great player, and those guys don't grow on trees. You're right there. Uh, But, you know, like the Giants – I get that the Giants have won a World Series more recently than the Yankees. I think they won in – they went in 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. They also won a World Series there. So, yeah, they've definitely won a World Series more recently than the Yankees, but that was a different front office. And uh, the team that he would be going into with the Giants, uh, they are miles away from, from really being good. They had the one year, two years ago, 2021, they won 107 games. Um, but they were 500 this past year. They've been a below 500 team for a very long time. Going into next year, they're at best a third place team in that division. So, and just for him, if putting up stats is is important to him long term, that's a terrible home ballpark to try to be hitting home runs. Now, his home runs that you know when he gets them, he, they they go far. <laughs> He'll hit them out of anywhere. But that is not. Uh, I don't think that that's a great spot for the future of his career, no matter how he ages. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I still think he'll be back with the Yankees, but since the Giants are the the number one contender, it seems like uh, you kind of have to look at what you know. Does it make sense for him? Does it make sense for them? And I don't think it makes sense for either. Nithin is in New Jersey. Nithin, next up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Gordon, how you been? I'm good, Nithin. What's going on, pal? 
Hey, good. So before we get to the Aaron, I want to talk about Aaron Judge, but before we get to that, um, I, you, you, obviously you were on our show called the NR Hour, and we got to cover an event today with uh, with Luis Severino, the Yankees pitcher. Uh, he was signing autographs today in Woodbridge, and uh, we got to cover his event in Woodbridge uh, Brewing Company. So big shout-out to them, and Luis Severino uh, was great to interact with, and uh, obviously uh, everybody knows him, Yankees pitcher, so... Uh, that was a great event. I just want to bring that bring that up, and then uh, so now to Aaron Judge. Um, I know you uh, as a Yankee. Um, if I were the Yankees, uh, I would just let him let him walk. And um, uh, being flexible is is really important, especially in baseball. So I would like uh, I would rather have multiple players than signing one player. So in my opinion, I hate to say this, but. I would just let them walk, depending how how big the price is, uh, and then sign multiple players to be flexible still. All right. Well, look. I mean, that is a plan that you could go with. Um, you're gonna have to sign a lot of, uh, you know, the the hit. The more guys you sign in an off season, the greater the chances are that you're gonna mess up one of them, <laughs> and and they're not gonna be cheap, right? Like like we. I mean, I, I've seen like Brandon Nimmo. Uh, contract predictions of being like over a hundred million dollars. Like if that's the, I would rather have Aaron Judge at three hundred than Brandon Nimmo at one hundred. And you got, I mean, you have to add a lot to that just to to get back to the level that you were with Aaron Judge. And um, it, it just, uh, I mean, I get it. The the long term contract of it, those those deals are generally mistakes. And you could absolutely envision a guy at his size, maybe not Angie. Well, the fact that he does have some some injury concerns there as well, that could be a problem. But the question is, do you want the problems now or do you want the problems later? Because if you if you decide not to sign him, if they decide not to bring him back, boy, that's a huge gaping hole on a 99-win team. And I would say the only reason why they were a 99-win team or one of the biggest reasons, the biggest reason why they were a 99-win team. And if they were to, you know, if they if he were to go down in the course of, of last season, it's pretty clear they were not going to be a 99-win team. He's not the problem with the the um, the makeup of of the uh, current group. Like there's there's plenty of things to fix. He's not really one of them, even despite the struggles in the postseason. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Coming up. We'll get more of your phone calls on Judge and the baseball. Plus, we got to look towards week 13 in the NFL. Jets, Giants, important December games. And they are this weekend. Only here, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. You know, like the first thing you want to make sure is you, you want to make sure you get in the playoffs. And the fact that the Patriots have the tiebreaker against you, get them to drop to six and six. Even if you were to lose in Minnesota, you know, you just want to stay in front of them. You don't want the tiebreaker to come into things. So the fact that they're losing is good news. But the fact that they are as bad as they are against the Bills and they got two wins against, not one, two wins against you has to make you just absolutely sick. Because they have been non, they've gotten one touchdown in this game, on, and basically a trick play, a, a, a quick pass to a defensive back. I don't know how many first downs they have in this game. It cannot be many. They, I, I mean, every time I look up, the Bills are getting the ball back, or they have the ball and they're driving again. So I think their defense is 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 decent, but their offense is terrible. And uh, Mac Jones, man, it, it seems like he has taken uh, a major step back. So. Uh, it's going to be a very uh, tough for the. I, I think that this is the last day uh, that you're going to have to really worry about the Patriots if you're a Jet fan. Now it's still got to make you sick. If you're watching this game, you're thinking to yourself, "How the hell did we? How do we lose to these guys twice?" And I think you'll come up with this: the second overall pick uh, got absolutely eaten alive by Bill Belichick. But as I mentioned earlier, you know Belichick. Talent uh, coaching is important in the NFL. It is a coaching league for sure, but it's also you got to have some talent. 
And when you don't have as much talent as the other, and the, the talent discrepancy is as great as it is between the Bills and Patriots. It's as uh, great as the score, it would indicate, of 24-7. to 7. So there you go. That's the story on Thursday Night Football. So some good news for the Jets, some bad news for the Jets. But I did want to talk some football at 1-800-919. ESPN is the uh, telephone number. We'll do the uh, NFL picks in the second hour. And you're going to want to stay tuned for those. Because, again, as I've mentioned many times, as many times as I possibly can on the air, there's no host on this station who has a better record overall this season, and it's not really even close. I mean, really you have to stop counting at some point but uh, than I do. I have the, uh, the by far the best pick, so we'll do that in the second hour. But I did want to touch on – let's touch on the Giants first. We've touched a lot on the Jets so far this week with the whole Mike White thing. But the Giants, as we mentioned, it's clear. We waited so long for them to have a meaningful game in December. And this one is meaningful. It's so meaningful that if they lose this game, they might not have any more meaningful games in December. As they face off against the Commanders this week, and uh, you know for the standings for the playoffs, if you can't win this one, uh, it's very hard to envision a way you're going to win many others, right? Like if you don't beat Washington at home in a clear must-win game, are you going to beat Washington on the road? Are you going to beat Philadelphia in either of those games? Are you going to go to Minnesota and win that game? Tough to find wins, right? And it kind of feels like it's slipping away. And it kind of feels like, even while it was going on and it was good, didn't it always feel like it was too good to be true with Giants? I mean, that was part of the angle. When you're 6-1, and one, you're thinking to yourself, man, the Giants are 6-1? and one? They're finding ways to win these games by the same script every single time. Keep the game close in the first half, make an adjustment or two, execute better than the other team down there. I mean, their, their margin for error in all these games has been very, very narrow, and it has also been... Never make a mistake. You know, the quarterback went months without throwing an interception. I don't know that that's sustainable the entire season for any quarterback, never mind Daniel Jones. So it's always kind of felt too good to be true. And now you've lost three of four. You've lost three of four, and it's not like you've lost heartbreakers, right? You lost by two touchdowns to Seattle. You lost by 13 at home to the Lions. And you lost to the Cowboys by, what was it, eight? I think it was eight. But that game, I mean, that was the, the definition of backdoor cover. That was a meaningless. That game was not an eight-point game. So this is, this is monumental for the Giants this week. You ha- absolutely have to win this game. And it's monumental for – because, look, Daniel Jones, it kind of feels like there was a point this season where the fan base was on board. Well, Daniel Jones is the guy. There were people in the media. Daniel Jones. I've always liked Daniel Jones. Yeah, he's clear. You can clearly work with him. And now you're starting to think, man, is this really the long-term answer? If, and, it's, and this is just where it's starting, right? You've lost three or four. You lose this game, and you're now looking square in the face at maybe a, a second-half collapse. Are you still going to be all in on Daniel Jones? I think it's been pretty clear that Saquon Barkley, you kind of have to question that again, right? There was a point this year where every oh you got to pay this man, you got to make sure he doesn't get away, pay him whatever he wants. Well, he's been a non-factor now in, in basically three of the last four games. In three of the last four games, he's rushed for a total of 114 yards. He's averaging 2.4 a carry if you take out the one game against the worst team in football. And the Giants' odds now are more likely to miss the playoffs than make them. And this after a point where they were, I think they were in the high 80s in terms of percentage to make the playoffs this year. And suddenly Washington is more likely to make the playoffs than miss the playoffs. And it would be one thing if you'd say, well, you know, um, Washington, they've been, they've been putting things together there for years. And they're really a, well, they're a well-built team outside of the quarterback. I mean, you know, if and this is a quarterback league, so you got to be able to – the defense has to make this about their quarterback more than it's about your quarterback. Because if you lose this game, it has a real chance to spiral. And if you lose this game, I think it's pretty clear you're not making the playoffs. And I don't, I'm not of the belief that missing the playoffs for the Giants is this massive failure because, again, it always felt too good to be true. I mean, you'd be watching these games – and you'd be watching the, the skill position guys on the Giants catching. But you're like, who caught the pass? Who is that guy? But there's no question. While it might not be a failure, if you lose this game, it certainly seems like it's got the markings of a collapse. 
and it feels like that this could start to spiral a little bit. So this is a game where the defense has got to be dominant. you got to hope that Daniel Jones gets back to no turnovers, no mistakes, but making some plays as well. Not just making plays with his arm. He's got to get back to making some plays with his legs, and hopefully that frees up Saquon Barkley a little bit because he is really, as I mentioned, not really a factor. Certainly the last two games and really three of the four, and I don't know if it's the shoulder injury. I don't know if that he's wearing down. I don't know what exactly it is. If it's just a greater focus on Saquon Barkley, I think that would make sense because he's the only playmaker the Giants have. But they need to have this game. There's no way they can allow this one to get away and and really have realistic odds of the playoffs. And if you're talking about this season, it would feel like a a waste of, of a season because at least before this streak happened, You thought to yourself, well, we really feel good about the coach. We feel good about the quarterback. And if you are going to now have a second half that is the direct opposite of the first half, well, then you're you're right back to really having all those questions all over again, questions that you thought maybe you had answered at this point. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the uh, phones. Go out to uh, Buddha is in the Bronx. Buddha, what's going on, my man? Hey, Gordon, what's going on, bro? I'm ready for my daily dose of Mike White propaganda. Okay, well, I'm, listen, I called about Aaron Judge. But oh, I'll okay, all right, all right. I'll, I'll just say this. I'll just say this. You remember the movie King of New York? King of New York? I don't think I do. It sounds familiar. Who yeah. was in it? Uh, Christopher Walken, Fishburne. Uh, yeah, it does David sound familiar. Caruso. Yeah, it sounds I'm sure I've seen it, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah, well, anyway, let's make a long story short. Christopher Walken was a big-time drug dealer. He got out of jail. Then he had all the guys around Fishburne, a few guys. They were in his crew. When he got out of jail, he came by and he said, hey, Frankie, baby, he did a little dance. <laughs> That's what happens when Mike White walked through that locker room, baby. Mikey <laughs> Winsor! Woo! <laughs> My guy, King of New York. All right. Anyway, all right. I, I, you got to see it. If you see it, then you know what I'm talking about. It's all right. It'll have more effect. But I'm um, listening. But with the judge thing now, look, you know, you sound very sure and adamant that judge is coming back. I'm not so sure. Uh, I, I think that the Giants might give a little bit more money and another year. I don't know if the Yankees are going to do that. And especially, it would be very interesting to know who put the information out about, you know, what they offered him. Yeah, that seems similar to like that, what happened early in the year. It, it does. Like it was a cashman. Yeah. It like it was a cashman kind of thing. So they're trying to show us, look, we gave him, we offered him the best we could, and he didn't want to take it. But as a fan, I'm a little torn, to be honest with you. And I'm not saying I'm on Cashman or Hal Steinbrenner's side. The two of them make me sick. But what I'll say is this. We've had Judge, and it's really not led to anything. So, you know, I'm looking at the team. I mean, I know you guys, uh, 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 you know, Penciled uh, Harrison Bader in as a center fielder. I'm not so sure if for a full year that that's going to be enough at that position. But let's say it is. They still need a left fielder. You know, third base is an absolute problem. Uh, If you're going to tell me shortstop that IKF is going to be there and he's going to transition into either Peraza or Volpe, uh, that sounds nice. But, I mean, it seems like Volpe is not ready. But, you know, listen. We Severino, I mean, like, this is what we're dependent on. I mean, he, he, he you know, I, I like Sevy, but you can't tell me that he's not going to get injured again. I, I, I don't know. So, you know, you know how the Yankees are going to do, bro? It's like, if they, let's say, let's say, let's go on the assumption that they do sign Judge. They're not going to fill those other voids, bro. Oh, no, that's, I've they, said that, I've said that a bunch. Absolutely. You're so, absolutely so, right. Then what's the point, though? But, but what I'm saying is, so what's the point, though? You understand what I'm talking about? Like, realistically, you know baseball. You watch a lot of baseball. You know this team as presently constituted is not a World Series team. They're, they're built to, to play well during the regular season. Uh, you know, injuries aside, even if people didn't get injured. You know, um, DJ, I love DJ to death. He's one of my favorite players. Actually, probably is my favorite Yankee. But he's on the decline. You got him. You got Peraza. These these are like filling guys. So, you know, signing Judge, 
how is that really gonna like really get us over the hump? It, it's a tough call, and I'm like I said, I'm not trying to be on the side of Steinbrenner and, and Cashman because I don't like the way they do business, and they're very smug, and you know, I, I just I have no confidence in them as you don't as well. So how are we gonna get over the hump? With signing Judge is not the end all be all. No, it it's might not. Be the nail in the coffin. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and Buddha, thanks for the phone call. I, well, look, here's the problem: the the third baseman's still going to be here, right? Like shortstop, whoever it is, if it's Peraza, if it's IKF to start the season. I mean, that's still going to be uh, a defensive primary. To, like, I think Peraza will eventually hit at a major league level, far better than IKF. But that's that's a mystery. It hasn't happened as of yet. Uh, all those other problems still remain. And if you don't have, if you don't bring back Judge, all those, I mean, they're they're all heightened and they all look worse. I mean, really, if you don't bring back Judge, it's kind of hard to figure out a path forward for the the short term, where you're thinking to yourself, all right, we're still um, at least in the conversation of being a playoff team. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Coming up, more your phone calls as we take you up till midnight tonight. It is Gordon Damer. It is ESPN New York tonight. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Number 52. Oh, my goodness. We uh, had a little birthday dinner at the house. You'll appreciate this, Harvey. My mother-in-law buys me scratch-off tickets every year for my birthday, sometimes to stick in the, the stockings for Christmas or whatnot. And it's like a joke. It's like a running joke. I never win anything on these things. And all I get is like the sore arm from scratch. I mean, the amount of scratchy you have to do with those tickets is, um, is extensive. So this year, she got me a couple of tickets. You know, scratched one off, scratched this one off. I got a free ticket on one. So then she got me one. It's like a poker theme. So it's like multiple games, multiple times that you can win. So you scratch off the first line, and it's like you got to beat the dealer, right? So the dealer had a full house. I'm like, well, obviously I'm not going to win anything here. I'm not going to beat a full house. But sure enough, like the second line I scratch off, I get four of a kind. So then I scratch off the prize, 100 bucks. I was like, whoa, 100 I'd never win anything on these things. So I keep scratching. I win another, uh, another line. Another 100 bucks. I'm like, this is amazing. Third line, I scratch off. I win 50 bucks. I said, wait, is this like, a, is this like one of those goofy, t- you know, like the, the, the hoax tickets, the prank tickets that you get it at the, you know. But no, it was a, a legitimate ticket. I, I kept scratching. Won 500 bucks in all. How about that? I might parlay that into my uh, World Cup uh, betting. See, I wish I had that sort of prank that went right for me. When I, I, I one time when I went out for my 15th birthday. My mom and baby sister got me a cake, uh-huh. but they got me a cake with candles that um, don't fade away per se. So right. I'm just there sure, huffing the and candles. puffing, yep. yep, huffing and puffing. They're recording, they're laughing. I mean, I'm just wondering what's going on here. So, jokes on me for that day. But look at you, five hundred bucks. Five hundred? You can't beat that, right? No, I wonder what, how fast it's going to so go. So I started thinking about, you know, I got to put this into something, right? And the wife says, you know where a good place to put this into is the bank. I said, yeah, that's no fun. That's no fun there. So, uh, yeah, I got to figure out something to uh, to spend the, the big five honey on. It's, it's not, I don't think it's going to go to the World Cup. Now, did, the, uh, did Spain, what did Spain do today? So Spain lost. And are they was, out? They're not out. They okay. are second in the group. So okay. they play All Morocco, right. who uh, topped their group today, which is Morocco. Is Morocco good? They're a dark horse. Uh huh. Unreal how um they've managed to just pull it together to top the group. It looks sketchy at times, but mm-hmm. their top end talent uh pulled the way through. And um look, they beat Canada two one, which doesn't nice. say much, I guess, because Canada right. was. They're Look, not very good. They're valiant, but they're awful. They um right. Had that's no that's a ni- that was a nice way to try to compliment them by saying valiant but awful. Yeah, it's uh that's not, not an equal that that's not an equal compliment to you know insult. No, <laughs> competent to awful is not. That's not. It's not going to save you. No, but uh, look, I mean, I guess what they get, they get that Simpson cake. You know, thanks for trying stuff like right. that. Right. So, but they weren't expected to go anywhere, Canada. They right? were expected to put on a better showing. I mean, 
The right, fact that they came up with no points in this group is a bit of a surprise. I mean, that's a but, complete waste of time. Yeah, but, I mean, they they are a young group, so they're going to host the next edition in 2026, so uh-huh. more will be expected of them. Uh, but, not by me. I, I, won't, I don't want to expect anything from them now any time. You think so? You think if we're on these same airways four years from now, you won't ask right. that maybe? No, no. no. I, can, I can tell you that right now. I'm locked in. Uh, when you get to 52, you're locked in on things. Now, I like to, <laughs> I like to remain open to things. I like to, you know, new experiences, new things, but I've new things that I haven't tried. I've tried the soccer and I even try, look, I I even put money on it this year and I still can't even be bothered to watch it. Like I got money on Spain. That's why I'm asking. That's why I'm inquiring about Spain. How about Belgium? Is Belgium still going? I got a half unit on Belgium. No, Belgium uh, stunk Ah. up the joint. They drew no not to Croatia, which was likely going to happen. Their main striker, Romelu Lukaku, had an expected goals tally. Uh Uh-huh. Of 1.7. And now, just for the, the people out there, expected goals tally is expected. is basically a metric that measures how likely you are to scoring, the chances that you have on the, on the match, and how basically okay. how close you are to scoring. Right. So he had four quality chances, did not score, punched the dugout on the way out when they were found out they were eliminated. That didn't help anybody. Nope. And now Belgium is out. They finished with four points. They won their first game and essentially stunk up the joint after that. So yeah, that uh, that doesn't help the old uh, the betting line. No, it does not. Um, they're out. They had major issues. Their their best player. And they're Kevin, old, right? They're like an old. That team. was the main thing. Their yeah. back line is old. They're snipping back and forth between players about being old and stuff like that. So right, their manager's out, and uh, they are as well. All right. Well, look, um, it, very interesting. Uh, I, I find it more interesting when you tell me about it than actually watching it. Like, you tell me about it. What did that take? Two minutes? Three minutes? I don't have to sit and watch the whole thing. I just need your, your recap, Sorry, That's all I need. Well, I appreciate it. Um, there's not going to be many more, I, I think, given uh, you Well, I only, yeah, I only care about Spain. Now, now, the Spain, now that they have now made the knockout stage, right? Yes, sir. They now, who will they face next? Uh, Morocco. So oh, right. You told me that Morocco. Now, yeah. who would be favored in that? <laughs> I see was... how quick. See how quickly the information leaves my head. You told me Morocco, and I already forgot it. That's well, look, how that, little. That, how little I care. Well, that's uh, what I'm here. I'm here for you for this. I, I got gotcha. you. Um, now, are they favored against Morocco, Spain? I, I say yes, but if you're looking for an upset, this is one of them because. No, I'm not looking for an upset. I'm looking for. I'm looking for Spain to get through. Uh, I believe. They will advance an extra time. The funny thing about that is they've played over 900 passes in multiple games, and they just can't seem to score more than one goal. Well, it feels like it's a common theme there, though. Yeah. Outside of, you know, the big, the big, the big guys. Yeah, I mean. Argentina, Brazil. Spain, by name, and basically by the way they've played this tournament, are one of the big names. Yeah. The, they scored seven them. against Costa Rica, and that alone basically got them to second place based on goal differential. So, um, But basically, be, the way Morocco's been playing, they have a more than a fighting chance, in my opinion. Um, it, I can't say the same for the U.S., but that's just... Uh, okay. We'll yeah, well, Saturday. I don't really think that they have... Yeah, I mean, they, they, they hung on for, like, grim death to beat Iran. I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I wouldn't expect a deep run by the Americans. I think all the uh, gifts that were needed uh, for that win against Iran, I think that's all the gifts you're going to get celebrating the U.S. victories the rest of the way, I would think. And you that's agree? Your, that's your, yeah, yeah that, that, I totally agree. I don't, now, is uh, Christian Pulisic, is he out of the ICU after he collided with that guy? He's out of the ICU. Oh, he good, spoke to reporters about his Oh, injury. he still has the ability. Okay, good. Yeah, I, so, I was worried about him because he seemed like might be, you know, might be a while before no, we, he's see, gonna if play, we ever see him again. He's going to play. He's going to start. Um, okay. How effective he'll be, Amazing. who knows? Amazing. That's right. All right. All right, Harvey. There's your uh, World Cup uh, update if you care about these things, and I only care because I have actual money on it. But um, let's get into the other football because we touched on the uh, the Giants already. Let's touch a little on the Jets. The uh, The Bills-Patriots game has gone final. Bills win that one. That was pretty clear that that was going to be the case. 24-10 the final score there. So Patriots dropped to 6-6, six and six, and they're just not a very good team. The only The only reason – they need more games against Zach Wilson. That's what they need to get back into the playoff race. Because without those two games, they would if, – if they if, – I don't know that Mike White is all that much better, but you would think if you could just get – if the Jets had just had competent quarterback play in those two games, 
they would be in far better shape, and the Patriots would be even further out of the playoff mix. So now 6-6 six and six on the year. And what is it, nine teams for seven spots? You now have to think that they're probably the ninth team of that group. Uh, I think I have more confidence that the Chargers. I certainly have more confidence in the Bengals. I have more confidence in the teams that are in the, the top seven spots right now. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like the Patriots are going to be uh, much in the mix here the, the rest of the way. Now, in terms of the Jets game this week uh, against Minnesota, it's going to be interesting to watch to see, obviously, Mike White. And as I mentioned last night, I think there's two groups of thought that for all of us who think that Mike White deserves this chance. There's the group that thinks, well, Mike White is just simply better than Zach Wilson, and you just are looking for somebody to be competent. You're just looking for, if you could just get somebody to be league average at quarterback for the Jets, based on their defense, based on their skill positions, they would win more games than not. They would be in far better position than having Zach Wilson back there where you don't know what's going to happen on any given play. That's one group. Then there's the second group who thinks that Mike White is really good. Now, we'll find out. We'll, we'll see if Mike White is going to be this franchise quarterback that people are now predicting after one start this year and really one start last year. It was really the Bengals game last year, and it was this game this year. But, you know, there's been this conversation that's been going on. I heard, uh, you know, guys on the case show, and, and it is about Zach Wilson ever getting another chance. Do you actually think that the Jets are now going to turn the page on the former second pick in the draft after 20 games? That is a very quick hook. Now, for the Jets' sake, they are saying that they plan on getting Zach Wilson back in there. How would that happen? How would that happen this year? You have made it clear that you are all in on making the playoffs. That is your primary goal. And that was not always the primary goal. Coming into the season, the primary goal was to win more games than you did the year before, but to see progress from the starting quarterback. Now you've pulled the starting quarterback. That's completely out, and it is about making the playoffs this year. So if the overall goal is to make the playoffs this year, in in what scenario would, would Zach Wilson getting back in there make any sense? The only way it would make sense is if Mike White is even worse than Zach Wilson or if he's really, really bad. And to think of how how bad he'd have to be, he'd have to be as bad as basically the worst starting quarterback in the sport because that's what Zach Wilson was in his time in there this year. So I, I think that Mike White is better than that. I think just about anybody is better than that. So even if he has a bad game, am I going to look at him and say, boy, there's just no way you can play him? Because that's kind of what it would take. Or the Jets to fall out of, of playoff contention. And then at that point, I guess you kind of go back to him. But if you're of the belief that, well, there's no way that the Jets are just going to simply turn the page on a guy after 20 games, I would just simply say, look at the timeline of events here the last year and a half. The Jets have gotten it wrong at every step of the way. They've got, the, the front office got it wrong by clearly picking the wrong guy. If you're even having a debate of whether or not you're going to cut ties with the second overall pick in midway, basically, through his second season, I think it's pretty clear you picked the wrong guy. Now, there are guys who get drafted high up, and it takes them a little while to figure things out. They undergo, you know, Eli is a perfect example. Drew Brees I bring up from time to time. Tua is certainly an example. None of those guys struggle to the extent that Zach Wilson has struggled. You know, Tua was seen as a bust coming into, you know, after basically year two. Um, And you take a look at his numbers. He still had a positive touchdown to interception. He still, you know, was still completing passes at a pretty good clip. He was still, you know, he had moments where it was really low. But it wasn't low all the time like it was really with Zach Wilson all the time. So I think it's pretty clear the Jets picked the wrong guy to start. They had the wrong approach from the start where they allowed him to start right away. That was, he was clearly overwhelmed at the time. He was not prepared to be a starting quarterback at that point, so they misread that. They didn't have a veteran for him in his rookie season that maybe that person he could have relied on and, and you know gotten some information to kind of how to handle things. I do think that last year there was a little bit of Mike White panic when Mike White came in and, and had that game against the, the Bengals that, oh, my God, you know, if this guy starts to light it up now, 
How are we going to get the second overall pick back in here and have it make sense? And you'd have to say having Flacco be the backup as opposed to White or, you know, when when Wilson was out and having Flacco start those games as opposed to Mike White. I think if you believe in Mike White in any way, which I think most of us think that he, he can do something, that was another misstep. So, and I'm kind of of the belief that I thought the Bears game was the game you put Zach Wilson back at. You, you know, you read him the riot act, you tell him this is your final straw, and then you let him get right against a really bad team, which you're not going to face a team as bad as them the rest of the way. And if you watch the game, right, like he gets into the Bears game and he's bad, the elements, the team, whatever, then you pull him in that game. I thought you should have given him that game at least, but now that you've pulled him with that game being a possible turnaround spot, what's the next turnaround spot for Zach Wilson? I don't think there is one. I, I think I'm in the camp with a lot of people now that I think that the, that the page has been turned on Zach Wilson, and really there's, the Jets don't have anybody to blame on this one but themselves because, again, they got this thing wrong every step of the way. So what the future is for him, I don't think – whatever the future is, I don't think it happens with the Jets because I don't see how – and then let's say the Jets – make the playoffs this year. How do you go back to Zach Wilson next year? If the Jets don't make the playoffs next year, well, do you think that the reason you didn't make the playoffs the year before, all of a sudden Zach Wilson's going to take this giant step forward in year three? You think the players that are on this team that are the foundation of the team, all of a sudden they're going to be cool with that when it was cool when it was clear that they weren't cool with it during the season and they're freaking out during the the Patriots game? I just don't see that there's I mean, again, paint me the scenario where Mike White all of a sudden struggles to the degree where you're saying, you know what we need? We need Zach Wilson. It's very hard to envision. Very hard. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up. We'll get more of your phone calls. Jets, Giants, and football week 13. Our NFL picks as well still to do. Lots to do as we lead you up until midnight tonight. It is ESPN New York tonight, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Giants for this weekend. We still have our NFL picks to do. But, you know, I did uh, want to mention one thing about the Knicks. And uh, tonight, thankfully, was a night off from the Knicks after the ways. Things have been going lately with the close losses at home. And, look, the Knicks right now, they're just not that great of a team. And it feels like that the 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 mix is kind. It's just it's just kind of flat. And you're waiting for something to happen. You're waiting for either I guess R.J. Barrett to get back to being what you think R.J. Barrett is. That would certainly help. Um, but it just kind of feels like it's a it's a flat group with without a very high ceiling, and one you know kind of given the the schedule that could have a very low floor, and. I've been the conversation always seems to hinge on when you're talking about the Knicks and what change has to happen. It seems like most Knicks fans are on board of, you know, it's time to change the coach. You know, Tibbs's message, it 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 wears thin after a while. It's year three. It doesn't seem to be meshing. He's not, you know, it's he's not a great offensive coach to begin with. His forte is the defense. The Knicks defense is just not very good, and all these type of things. I don't think that that's the way the Knicks are going to go. I don't think that's the way the organization is going to go. But the one thing that does have the potential to go wrong, is it Sunday where the Knicks play the Cavaliers? I think it's Sunday. If for some reason Donovan Mitchell were to just absolutely torch the Knicks with all the talk about that trade and that trade not happening, and it's, it certainly feels like that that has been a missed opportunity by the Knicks. Now, I wasn't heartbroken at the time that they didn't make the deal. I, I think it push came to shove. I probably would have included what I needed to include it to get the deal done, but I, I could understand not wanting to give up the, the, the farm for, for Donovan Mitchell. And, of course, knowing the Knicks' luck, now Donovan Mitchell has played at almost an MVP kind of level. I mean, he's been outstanding so far this year. If he were to all, all of a sudden torch the Knicks and they lose, what, what's the next game they have? The Hawks? No, it's Mavericks. Mavericks, I think, tomorrow night, and then they have the um, Cavs on Sunday. If they were to lose those next two after being already two games under 500 and starting to feel like things are starting to, to slide down the mountain and you have 
the owner getting a little upset about what's going on with the team, and rightfully so, right? This is year three. You're supposed to be moving in a certain direction, and it's not, that's not what's happened. The first year has been the best year. And then last year, okay, step back. Not what anybody was expecting. This year was supposed to be kind of in between. I mean, I think a fair expectation would be, all right, we did this year one. We did this year two. We got to be a little closer to year one than year two. And right now it feels like year two is, is, is kind of the direction the Knicks are going. Maybe a little bit better because Brunson's been good. And you figure at some point R.J. Barrett's going to start to figure things out. But if you start, I mean, you're, you're 22, 23 games into the season, you start sliding below 500 and start sliding out of even the play-in tournament, and then you have a performance by Donovan Mitchell where he goes off, it would not shock me if there was some sort of shakeup after something like that. And we will see. We will see. But, um, yeah, I, I still don't think that that's the direction they want to go. But if you start getting the feeling like, you need to do something, right? You got to change something. You can't just allow the season to slip away and just hope that things get better on their own with a group that you've put together. You got to shake it up somehow, and there, that that shakeup might be forced upon you. Let's put it that way. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go back to the phones. We'll go out to uh, Anthony is in Brooklyn. Anthony, next up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, great show. I, I think you're spot on when it comes to what are the Jets doing with, with Zach Wilson. I, I was so sure watching that Patriots game that the move to do was to maybe bench him in the fourth quarter, bring in, bring in White, just, just see what happens, and then, you know, let him think about it, and then let him play against the Bears, and if you got to pull him early because nothing's happening, but just try to shake him up a bit. And I, I just don't understand. I mean, it, it even goes back with the Jets organization with Sam Donald. And, you know, his first rookie year, I can't remember the, the, the senior quarterback that they had that was mentoring him in the first year. And then when the, when the coach from Miami, when they hired him, the first thing he does is, is, is cut the, you know, quarterback coach. Well, he wasn't a quarterback coach. He was the backup quarterback. You know, I, I think that ruined him a little bit as far as having somebody to kind of talk to. But, yeah, I, I don't know what they do now. I don't know if you just, you know, you just cut ties and and look to hire maybe, you know, Jimmy G, you know, sign Jimmy G or something like that. I, I don't know what they're going to do now. Yeah, it does seem like it's a, a bit of a mess, Anthony. Thanks for the phone call. And I agree with you. But I think what the Patriot game showed you was that the call to – take Zach out it just doesn't seem like that was a call that the head coach was allowed to make because after that I mean that that was the spot right that was a very winnable game he was having a nightmare game and when you get into the post game and the coach says the furthest the furthest thing from my mind was changing the quarterback you're thinking to yourself wait a second it was the furthest thing it was the furthest you were the only one that it was the furthest thing from their mind. I think everybody was thinking, you know, like, what are you doing here? What do we, how, how much worse can it possibly get? So I thought that that was the game to kind of switch them out. And I would have, and, and look, leading up to the Bears game, I think most people felt like, yeah, they're, they're saying this about Zach Wilson, but they'll start Zach Wilson. They're not, they're not going to, they're not going to, but then all of a sudden the news came out. No, they're, they're, they're going to bench Zach Wilson. And they're going to give Mike White a shot. So at this point, the plan is pretty simple. Cross your fingers and hope Mike White is, is halfway decent. And that's all he has to do. Again, they don't have to do, he doesn't have to do anything different than the game plan was for Zach Wilson. The game plans for both guys are exactly the same. And you just hope that for Mike White, he, he's, he's better equipped to actually handle the game plan. You know, I know that he threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns, the quarterback rate. That's not what you're expecting from Mike White. Or it shouldn't be what you're expecting from Mike White. The game plan should be absolutely the same, where you are primarily running the football. That's where the, the, the success of your offense comes from. You're relying on your defense to, to shut down the other team, and that's the real strength of your organization. And then you're hoping your quarterback can make a play here or there, Get pick up some first downs every once in a while, hit some plays, up, get the ball into the hands of your playmakers, get the ball out quickly, make decisive decisions, and not kill you with interceptions and, and bad plays. That's what you're hoping for. But the, the game plan is still the same. It, it has not changed. So 
even though it was a great performance against the Bears, I don't think that that's indicative of what the type of performances that you should be expecting out of Mike White moving forward. Uh, let's go out to Paul is in Queens. Paul, next up on ESPN New York tonight. Gordon, how are you? I'm good, Paul. What's going on, man? Chilly night. So, here's the thing. I'm a big Jeff fan for centuries. Okay. Here's what a lot of people don't realize. Let's look at Robert Sala for the last couple of years. He's an adamant person of his scheme. This team is built on a scheme, not a quarterback. Look at the defense. Rush the four, drop everybody in cover two. That's their scheme. On offense, they mimic the 49ers, running back by committee, a bunch of wide receivers, get Braxton Barrios, a part of the running game. So you know what? Two things are important here as being a Jets fan. A, let's face it, Mike White is an example of a six foot four quarterback who sees the field way better than Zach Wilson does. And he fits the scheme better. When he played against last year, he fit the scheme better. So let's give him a little bit of credit. You know what? This is the NFL. Back in 1999, you know, we thought we were going back to the Super Bowl. But Vinny Testaverde got hurt. If we can catch lightning in the bottle, because this is the way the NFL is. You're a Dolphin fan, so you should understand. This is the way. Let's catch lightning in the bottle. No more five-year development. It's all about a scheme. Gordon, have a great night. Thank all right, you. Paul. Well, look, I, I think that that's definitely the way that you're going to ride now, right? I mean, I, I said I don't think that there's a way you can go back to to Zach Wilson at this point. It's got to be about uh, Mike White and just kind of keep your fingers crossed. And, and, and there'll be, some, I'm sure, some bumps along the way here. I don't think he's going to be three touchdowns and no interceptions every single week. But if he can just simply be average, that would be an improvement. That might sound like an insult, but it's not. I mean, that, that's all you're asking the quarterback to do because the defense has been as good as it is and the playmakers are as good as they are. I mean, again, it wasn't like Mike White was throwing the ball 15 yards down the field. He was getting the ball out quickly. It was mostly, you know, short to intermediate passes and allowing the guys to, to make plays, allowing Elijah Moore to make that play for the touchdown, allowing uh, Garrett Wilson to make that play for the touchdown. So... Um, no, I mean, I think you're going to ride Mike White here for the rest of the year. And when the season ends and you have all the information, well, then you'll figure out from there. It is strange to me that, like, all of a sudden people are like, well, you know, the plan moving forward should be to get Jimmy G. Why exactly are the Niners going to get rid of Jimmy G? And, like, you know, uh, that's the plan moving forward. Like, that's the guy that you're now pining your hopes on is Jimmy G? I don't know. Seems a little... Let's 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 let this thing play out first. Let's see how let's see where this goes with Mike White, and then before before we get to chapter two, let's finish chapter one. That's the way I look.